Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers, and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger, so don't waste another second. Again, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey guys, just reminding you to head over to iTunes if you haven't already to subscribe, rate, and review Eat Blog Talk. It adds value to this podcast when you do that, and I would be so grateful for your time. It will take two minutes, press pause, go do it, and come back and keep listening. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to another episode of Eat Blog Talk. Thank you for joining us today. I have Ansley Butler with me from The Fit Peach. And we are going to talk about the business side of blogging. The Fit Peach is a food blog where Ansley shares delicious recipes with a healthy twist, including gluten-free, dairy-free, and paleo treats and dishes. She also has a financial services arm of her business, where she helps bloggers with the business side of blogging. Before becoming a full-time food blogger, Ansley was a CPA, so she's qualified to help others with bookkeeping, taxes, payroll, etc., so they can focus on growing their blog. I'm super excited for our chat today, Ansley. And I mentioned I love your name. Such a fun name to say. I might say it too much. So tell me if I'm being annoying. But first, we want to hear your fun fact. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. So um, my fun fact is um, when I had graduated from grad school, uh, like you mentioned, I majored in accounting. So it was kind of a big deal that I had finally finished grad school. I went out to Europe with some friends for the summer before I started full time. And um, I ended up skydiving in Switzerland and and bungee jumping in Prague. Um, While I was over there, I did not let my parents know before I was doing either of those. Um, I let them know afterwards so that they could, um, you know, breathe a little bit. But um, yeah, that's kind of my my uh, my fun fact. That was something I did before diving into this whole world of accounting and all that. So, which did you prefer, skydiving or bungee jumping? So, I I very much preferred skydiving. Um, it was in Interlock in Switzerland, which is I think the skydiving capital of the world. A lot of people um, skydive over there, and it was just beautiful. It was over a lake, and I just I felt safe doing it. Um, I cannot say the same for the bungee jumping. I probably would not do that again. Um, that was Prague. I did it with one of my closer friends and um, she only ones there, but the guys that we did it with did not speak English. And so it, I was very nervous to, to do that. We basically just jumped off of a telephone pole with a strap to a bungee cord um, with 
two guys that that did not speak English. And I remember signing something beforehand and I'm like, I should have read what, what, what I signed before or asked them to interpret it or something. But I would not, I'm glad I did it once, but I would not do that again. That's funny. Well, I have been both. So between my husband and I, we have um, 4,300 skydives and we have a just a handful of bungee jumps. So we've been skydiving, obviously, way more than bungee jumping. But I am with you. Skydiving gets like the bad parts of skydiving get so glorified by the media that people assume that it's like this. I mean, it is dangerous. I'm not going to say it's not a dangerous sport, but they assume that it's more dangerous than it is because it's like we hear all about the bad things. But yeah, like there are so many rules and regulations and backups and things are like super advanced these days. But bungee jumping, um, yeah, it was a totally different situation. And I went bungee jumping where people know English. So I felt a little safer. But I can imagine how you were like kind of panicking probably a little bit. (laughs) Yes, I would just remember saying, all right, we've we've driven an hour out here to the countryside of Prague. I'm going to do it. But we we got there and we were just like, wow, we were we were expecting more kind of experienced people maybe that were going to do this with us. I don't know. So with the skydiving, we did tandem. So we were attached to to someone who did know what they were doing. And with Interlock and being such a skydiving mecca, he had like thousands of jumps in his, you know, on his resume, the guy that I jumped with. And so I felt safer because I was attached to him. But bungee jumping, you're just, you just got to fall and hope that they have hooked up right. Oh, but it is such a rush though. I remember like once I was safe, I was like, oh, that was so fun. But yeah, like leading up to jumping, we jumped off just like this random platform a couple times. It was nerve wracking because the ground is so close. You're like, well, (laughs) this could go really bad or really good. (laughs) Oh, I love knowing that about you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, so total 180. Let's talk about (laughs) the business side of blogging. Um, So I love that you have another side to you. So you're like a food blogger. So creative and, you know, photographer and all of those fun, quote, fun things. Not Mm -hmm. that the business side isn't fun, but for you, (laughs) it is. It is probably fun because you have a total separate arm of your business focusing specifically on the financial part. So I love that. What do bloggers listening need to know before they are maybe leaving other employment? Maybe they have a full-time job and they're thinking about becoming a full-time blogger. What do they need to know before they do so? Yeah, so so this is a great question. I had to think through this myself because um, I, I did that whole, I think every blogger does the whole dance between full-time blog um, and full-time career that they, there's usually some overlap there. Um but I like to say that there are three main things that you really need to think about before taking that leap um, because you lose three things that you may that may be super beneficial with a corporate job, kind of a traditional corporate job. Um, the first is a W-2. Um, when you're self-employed, you don't have a W-2 um, unless you run payroll, but that's probably not something you'll be doing for a little while. Um, but that W-2 actually is is very beneficial if you're wanting to purchase a home or qualify for, you know, a car loan or kind of even some renting an apartment, they'll ask you for a pay stub, which is a W-2. And when you are self-employed, you don't have that. So what they're actually looking for is going to be more your business financials. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, that's a piece that can kind of, can kind of come back 
come at you if you're not careful when you do make that jump because you do lose the W-2. Um, the second is health insurance um, as well. That's saying that I um, lost myself when I left my corporate job. Luckily, I have a husband who had access to health insurance, so I was able to hop, up, hop on over to his. But obviously, if you're um, single, that's going to be something that you're going to want to really weigh into that decision because private health insurance is not inexpensive. Um, and then that third one is just going to be a 401k. If, if you do have an employer that offers one is that you are going to lose like any match that they have or any vesting that maybe you miss out on um, if you haven't been with the company for a little while. So it's mainly th those three benefits that are just some some uh, some things that you really want to look at when trying to make that jump because um, those are going to be some monetary things that you're going to lose out on um, when you go into that full-time food blogging role. I have a question about insurance. What are some options for, say, somebody who doesn't have a spouse to lean on when it comes to changing insurance plans? What are some options out there? Because you mentioned private insurance is kind of expensive. What else can people look at? Yes. Yeah, so there are, there. this is a good thing. There are actually a lot of different options. So the first, if you're probably the easiest option is if you are under 26, you can piggyback onto your parents. Um, so there is that option. If your parents have health insurance, you are allowed to piggyback off of theirs until you're 26. Um, but if you are older, what you're going to want to do is go either look in um, what we call the marketplace, which is a fairly new thing that that developed. It's mainly for affordable health care. Um, and that's what is it's going to be OK health care, but it is going to be pretty affordable. Um, on the flip side, there is private health insurance, which is going to be better insurance, but it's going to be a little bit more costly. Um, and then an option, if like neither of those kind of sound sound great, that you some employers do give you the option to do what we call COBRA, um, which means you can extend whatever health insurance you have with your current employer. And some of them, it depends on the employer, but some of them will let you stay on that health insurance for like 18 months. Um, the cost is going to go up, but you, but it's, it can be easier because you don't have to go look and research all of these other health insurance um, options either. You can kind of say, I'm just going to stick on this health insurance. I already have my doctors lined up with under them and I just want to stay on them. But the cost is going to go up if you decide to do something like that. If you qualify for a government health insurance or if you're military, they also have some great insurance too. So there are some if you do happen to qualify for those two. Um, those are some some great options as well. Wow. Some of those I didn't know about. So the 26 and under piggybacking on your parents' plan. I had no idea. That is such a great thing to hear. And I'm sure others listening are probably like, oh, I didn't know that either. And Cobra, I used Cobra when I was um, released from my corporate job. And it was fairly spendy, like a lot more than what I was paying when I was employed there. But it was just a good fallback. Like I knew I wouldn't have to use it for... I think it was like 12 or 18 months after. Um, I knew it wouldn't be that long, but I used it for like five months until I found something else. So it is just a good option to know it's there. And even though it's spendier, at least you have something until you can figure something else out. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's good to know you can at least be covered if you if you are do need to leave inexplicably, you know, at a short notice or something that you can at least fall back on that while you kind of get on your feet. 
Awesome. Thank you for running through all those. So as far as 401k goes, obviously, if you leave, you're not going to get that match. But what do you recommend for continuing something along the lines of a 401k or investing in your future retirement? Um, yeah. So um, I do recommend an, something called an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. Um, you can actually have this with with a 401k. So if you are currently working with an employer and you do have a 401k, you can also open up an IRA. Um, and I think the, ma- the maximum to contribute is I think, think $6,000 um, is the maximum that you can contribute. But that is a really good financial vehicle to, to have. It's just another way to save for retirement because um, everything is going to have a maximum amount that you can contribute. Um, so I recommend an IRA. It's going to be one of the easiest to set up too. Um, and like I said, if it works if you have a 401k as well. So you can even set it up while you're still working with your employer and then um, just kind of still have that open when you do take food blogging full time. Um, and then once you do kind of pick up with the food blog that maybe you've been with it for a few years, there's something called a solo 401k, um, which is actually really beneficial for self-employed businesses because you can contribute quite a bit to something called also called an individual 401k. Um, I believe the the maximum is like $58,000 is what you can contribute, um, which is huge because with a 401k, the maximum is going to be around like $19,000. So you can really pump a lot of money into it if you do have it um, into a solo 401k. And then some of that is going to be able to be an expense as well on your business um, financials because a piece can be distributed from your food blogging business into your 401k. So it's almost like an, a match um, like you would see in a typical corporate job. Oh, cool. I don't think I was aware of that either. Very cool. Um, what are your thoughts about like that period where you're going, where you've made the decision, I'm going to be self-employed and become a food blogger full-time. Do you have any um, bits of advice about that transition? Like you've made the decision and we've talked about like the W-2 insurance 401k, but is there anything else we should have at the top of our minds when we are in that transitional period? Um, yeah. So, so really because of mainly that W-2, you are going to want to really stay on top of bookkeeping. Um, obviously this is going to vary between, you know, kind of where you are in your food blogging business. If you're um, you know, making money um, and maybe have a few expenses coming through as well. It can get out of hand if you don't um, kind of stay on top of it. So because we lose that W-2 as when you're self-employed, um, your business's financial statements, so like a profit and loss or an income statement showing you how much revenue your business has made and how much expenses they have incurred, Um that, that's a financial statement. That's what takes the place of a W-2. So just kind of getting familiar with bookkeeping, I think, and knowing good practices so that you can just very easily kind of add it into your workflow of maybe it's every week doing something so that you kind of stay on top of it because that's a really important piece. Um, and it's going to get even more important as you grow. Let's um, switch gears just a little bit. And I want to get your thoughts, Ansley, on pricing your work. What are your thoughts about this? Um, Okay, so I have uh, lots and lots of thoughts on this. And I do touch on this um, a little bit with um, this new course that I'm developing. um, Because I just think it's so important to kind of think about it from a business standpoint. um, And that if you are, this is mainly for those that are working with brands, um, 
and are producing some type of content. Um, there's obviously from a business standpoint, you want to be able to cover your costs. Um, and those can be be a lot um, and a, a variety of different types of costs. So not just like the grocery bill that you're going to have to go go pay in order to, you know, go buy the you know, all the butter and the flour or something to produce a recipe for someone, but it's also like your business operating costs. So, you know, how much you're spending on software to run your blog or, you know, various different things that your business has that they incur every month. You want to be, make sure that whatever you're charging is covering all of that and that you have a good idea of kind of what, how many maybe different instances of a, of a, a client um, partnership that you need per month to meet some of those financial goals. Um, so there is a lot that goes into pricing, I believe. Um, anywhere from, like I said, you want to make sure that you're baking in those costs of just even the, I call them variable costs because they vary based on what exactly the client is going to want from you to those business operating costs, which are, which are how your business operates, whether you have clients or not. Um, and then you're going to have something that I call contract specific costs. So, and those are going to be um, copyright type of stuff, usage rights, um, whitelisting. I mean, there's, there's a variety of um, licensing terms that you're also going to want to add into that price as well um, based on what the contract is. Um, so um, there's a lot that goes into pricing um, and it's, it's a huge formula as I'm, I'm sure that you can appreciate. Um, it's not as unfortunately as simple as um, one would think, but there's a lot that, that can go into the price um, and it's just making sure that you include every single bit of it. Mm, and it's not a black and white situation. It's not like, okay, this is going to work for most bloggers. It's very individualized, I feel like. And um, you have to consider your experience too and like the knowledge that you hold and your skills. And there's so many things to consider when you're pricing. Pricing is the worst. I mean, it is so, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be blunt. It is hard. Every time I have to price something, I stress out and just... I, I almost have to go to a place where I'm just not allowing myself to think and just like going with my gut. Do you know what I mean? And then kind of like yeah. taking that number and maybe thinking around it a little bit. But otherwise, it's like, well, is that too high? Wait a second. That's too low. Am I worth that? Wait a second. That's what she does. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it's maddening. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's it's extra just kind of... um tedious, I think, because we are, I feel like behind as food bloggers, a lot of us kind of put up a wall. It's not like we can just go down the supermarket aisle and see what all of what everyone else is charging. Um, I think people are being more open about it, which is great. Um, there's a little bit more transparency because you mentioned um, expertise. That's I think that's the biggest variable. Um, that's what changes is how much you your the value of your time, how experienced you are at recipe development or photography, um, kind of where, where your skills lie is what is what really moves the needle. Um, like if you're experienced in one of those aspects, you could you could probably charge a pretty hefty piece, but you're also going to want to add in those operating costs and and the cost of just buying the materials. And then, of course, the licensing stuff as well. Um, so yeah, that value of expertise is going to be a huge chunk of it. I think that's a piece that a lot of us don't think about, right? Because we 
we think about the materials we have to buy, like you mentioned, groceries, and but we don't always think about what's in our heads and what we've experienced to get to this point, and that um, brands or whoever's paying us is actually paying partially or maybe even mostly for our knowledge and our expertise and what we have in our heads and the skills that we have. So just to keep that in your mind when you are pricing yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you hit the nail on the head with that. When brands are coming to you when you're a freelancer, they're, they're paying for, for all of it, for the amount of time that you've spent training yourself and perfecting your skill. If they were to hire an employee to do the same thing, they would have to spend quite a bit just training them um, on all of it. And and they're basically coming to you as a freelancer and asking for a shortcut. So that's kind of where that value lies. Yeah, I think that alone, what you just said, is enough to give bloggers listening permission to raise their value because you're more valuable than you probably think in this moment. So take Ansley's advice and maybe bump it up because you're worth more than yes. you think. I always yes, say that. I, I 100% agree. <laughs> I do not love pricing, but I, I love your thoughts on it. Okay, I this next topic is kind of makes me cringe and I'm sure a lot of people listening probably feel the same, but taxes make me want to crawl in a hole. What do we need to know though? Because we can't ignore them, unfortunately. What do we need to know about filing taxes as a blogger? Um, yeah, so I, I I have some of the same emotions. Actually, I don't enjoy taxes either. Uh, I do know a lot about them just given my educational background, but um, you're not alone there. Um, and especially when you run your own business. I feel like we wear so many different hats. And a lot of times that um, kind of CFO hat or, you know, just the a CPA hat or a bookkeeper hat is one that we don't pick up too often or want to pick up too often. Um, but yeah, so there's just a lot to that tax piece, depending upon how the bit, how you're structured as a business. Um, I know we, we spoke about kind of transitioning from a full-time corporate job into full-time food blogging. Um, you're probably going to want to incorporate as an LLC. That's going to be more of a um, legal question you're going to want to ask yourself. That's um, probably one of the biggest, one of the most frequent questions I get asked as a CPA is, hey, do I need to be an LLC? And I always have to say, hey, that's more of a legal question. Um, I'm happy to give you a recommendation, but um, there's not a whole lot of tax implications with that, um, the change into incorporating as an LLC. Um but if you are, then you're going to be, um, you are taxed as, as a person. So your business is viewed as, as your, your individual tax return. Um, and so that's why you really need to be certain about a whole lot of deductions and really stay on top of that bookkeeping. Um, I know I mentioned that before. This is where, as your business grows, that bookkeeping is going to be super important um, so that you can really keep track of all of this stuff. Um and then something that does come into play are going to be those estimated tax payments. So the easiest way I can put this is that when you are um, a salaried employee somewhere, so if you did have a corporate job somewhere and you got paid a paycheck, um, every time you got paid that paycheck, a portion was withheld, um, whether you noticed it or not for, for taxes. Um, a lot of times, I actually think it's a benefit of, of being employed somewhere because you don't notice it. Um, and so I feel like it's... Um, you know, kind of a little bit of it. You don't see it in your bank account, so it doesn't hurt as much because you never, you never actually see it. But when you are self-employed, 
what's in your bank account, I like to say that it's a little bloated uh, because you need to strip out a little bit for that tax. Um, so there's quarterly tax payments that you do need to be making um, or you'll be docked for some penalties and interest and everything when the tax bill does come due um, the following year. Um, so that's something to, to just kind of keep in mind that as your business grows and as you make more money, um, you are going to be needing to make those estimated tax payments. And that's, again, why pricing is so important, too, because a lot of times I think we price and forget about that tax piece um, that if we, you know, do price something at $1,000, probably really only going to see about 700 of it because a portion needs to be shifted away into that tax bucket. I think that's really important to mention because you're right. When we're at a, a large corporation and we're getting our paycheck, we do not see what actually leaves. Yes. <laughs> we'll think like $1,000 is what I'm getting. But just to reframe that and know you're not actually getting that to automatically take like 30% away, would you say? Uh, yeah, I would. I would. That's that's being fairly conservative, just depending on if you live in a state that has um, income tax, um, self-employment tax is one of the biggest other, other than federal income tax, self-employment tax is pretty hefty. Um, and that's one of the, it's kind of a shocker sometimes when you look at your tax return as a self-employed business owner, that self-employment tax is something you're not used to paying, um, when you are employed somewhere or rather you're used to only paying half of it. Um, so that can be a little bit of a shocker as well. And do you recommend that food bloggers who are new to being self-employed get their taxes done by a professional? Because I feel like that has really benefited me. There are things that I just would never have known as someone who's self-employed that a professional knew. And they were like, oh, well, here's, you know, you can write this off or consider that you used a portion of your house as your office or you travel here, you know, like miles you can consider. So there are all these things that I never would have known. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is what I have. I think we, we spoke earlier about this, but um, I have a um, side of my business called Peach Perfect Financials where I do this. And that's kind of how I got into helping other bloggers actually is started asking me to do the taxes. Um, and I started to kind of gather of, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot here that a lot of people may not know that I was fortunate enough to learn in school. So I, I kind of already knew it. I'm fairly um, well-versed with a tax return. So I knew all of these different kind of things that you could deduct from, um, from your revenue to yes, lessen your taxes. Um, but yes, I, I definitely recommend just even just talking with a professional. I think some there are some out there that will just have consults where you can ask those questions, um, or you can just say, "Hey, I'd you know hand over your books to them, come tax season, and say I don't want to, I don't want to think about this. Here, you prepare them." Um, one caveat with that is though that it's a little bit too late for those estimated tax payments. So um, I would definitely consult with someone on the earlier side, so maybe they can help you out with those estimated tax payments and just come up with a number of what. Um, what they're thinking you should make, um, and then maybe loop back with them come tax time and say, hey, is there, do you have room to prepare my taxes as well? Because um, that could be very beneficial. Great advice. And this kind of goes along with just financials and retirement on that side of it. But what do you think about um, food bloggers preparing five and 10 year plans for themselves? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm huge for this, as, as you guys can probably tell. I'm I'm very financial minded. Um, that I I 
like to think about what my, my next step, how is that going to impact my, my family? Um, you know, where, what we want our life to be. Um, I currently live in a very expensive part of the, part of the, the U S. And so that was a big, um, big factor when I decided to take food blogging full time was, Hey, can I, not only can I you know make my mortgage payment, but am I going to be able to, um, you know, put us put a portion aside so that I can have a retirement that that we want, that my husband and I both want, even though I'm only 28. And you know, I'm just kind of that way. I, that's something that I think about. Um, so I know we've talked about that retirement piece. Um, that is something that you're going to want to think about earlier rather than later, um, just given the benefit of time. Um, when it just comes to retirement um, in general, you you want to start earlier, even if it's like a small amount that you can contribute. Um, but on top of that, just even just taking retirement aside, just with those those financials, um, we've talked about bookkeeping quite a bit. Um, just to kind of, you really do want to be kind of touching base with your profit and loss or your income statement so that you know how your business is performing and then maybe set goals for yourself for the next to five years and kind of track along the way and see what you need to maneuver in order to meet those goals. Um, so whether it's, you know, kind of cutting back on expenses or whether there's a new revenue stream that you can dive into um, or whether you see one revenue stream that you have that's like really taking off. And so you want to pour a lot of time and effort into that revenue stream. Um, those financials are going to be what you want to look at to kind of touch base with your business and say, hey, how are we doing here? Um, and then make those um, those financial goals for the next few years. Now, I know you have a course coming out, Ansley. Is that course, is that something that can help people think through this sort of thing? And w- yeah, why don't you just use this opportunity to tell us a little bit more about your course and how it can help us in our businesses? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for letting me do that. But yes, I am... Um, currently developing a course that's going to launch in the fall. Um, and it basically talks through all of what we just talked about in, in more detail. So I go through what bookkeeping is, how, how to properly do it and how you can do it yourself, you know, with a spreadsheet. Um, obviously there are some outsourcing stuff as well that you can get into. Um, I also go into those three things that I chatted about with the W-2 and the health insurance and retirement and my recommendations of, of how, to, how to go set those up once you are a full-time food blogger. Um, and then I, go, I do have a tax portion as well and a payroll portion, um, which kind of go hand in hand and can talk through all of those deductions that food bloggers can, can capitalize on and should be aware of. Um, so that they can can really, um, you know, take a take a note of those and whether they're preparing their taxes themselves or whether they're going to go take it to someone else. Then they already have that knowledge of, hey, I know that I can deduct this. Um, and as I'm sure that you're you, you can uh, you know benefit from the when you're preparing your taxes, it's about 12 months after something may have been incurred. And so it can be hard to go back and fish through your credit card statements or bank statements and whatever to go look at say, how much did I spend on gas or, or, or what have you. Um, so it's nice to just kind of know those things beforehand so that you can keep track of them. So that's why I have that tax portion um, in there as well. And then I do, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. I do have some good kind of fun. Um, I do have a pricing unit where I go, go through in depth how to price your work with a business mindset. Um, so adding in all of those costs that I talked about 
Um, and then I will have a marketing unit as well to just kind of add some some nice color to it so that you can have a well-rounded business as well. So that's um, kind of all about my course. Um, and like I said, it's going to launch sometime in the fall. And how can people find it once it's launched? And do you have a specific date or is it just... Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be under that peachperfectfinancials.com is is um, the financial arm of my business. Um, that's where you can find my, I call them white glove services. It's stuff where if you're looking to outsource specific things, that's where I help people with payroll and making an S-corp election and preparing taxes. Um, and then this course is called Blogger MBA School, and it's a portion of on that website. So you can find it on peachperfectfinancials.com. And I will be um, letting out a webinar, like a date for the webinar in the next week or so. Um, so people can go, I don't know when this is going to go live, but um, people may be able to go sign up for that free webinar. Um, and I'll go through a lot of this in more detail as well there. Awesome. Very cool. Is there anything we've missed, Ansley, that you feel like we need to cover before we start saying goodbye? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I know we, we hammered on, on a whole lot um, of, of just the, the business stuff. I know that it's, it's not the most glamorous piece, um, but it can make or break a business. Um, I'm sure that um, a lot of people have heard that a lot um, when it comes to, you know, taxes and bookkeeping and stuff, but it is very important. And I think having a um, just even just a foundational knowledge of what exactly this stuff is so that they can just be well versed in it and hopefully take their blog to the next level. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know this is not like everyone's favorite thing to talk about. It's not really yes. super exciting for a lot of people, but it's really important. And I'm really glad that we are here talking about this today. So thank you for sharing all of your amazing knowledge with us. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. So before you go, we want to hear either a favorite quote or words of inspiration that you have for food bloggers. Um, yes. Yeah, so I actually, I think I heard this quote on your podcast a while ago and I actually have it, um, on a sticky note above my desk, but it's a Winston Churchill quote, and it says, success stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And I just think that really resonates with a lot of food bloggers um, because it is just kind of a stumbling act and seeing when and if you land on your feet to keep going. Oh, great way to end this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing that. We will put together a show notes page for you, Ansley. And if you want to go peek at those, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash the fit peach. Tell everyone where they can find you online, Ansley. Um, yes. So I am most frequently on um, my Instagram is the fit peach. Um, I also have that blog, thefitpeach.com. I have a contact page there. And then Anything finance related is going to be over on peachperfectfinancials.com. Um, and that's going to be where that course is going to be located as well. Um, so both of those um, businesses are, again, they're very peach oriented. I'm from Atlanta, so that's where, the, that's where the, the peach comes into play. But I try to kind of tie them together there. I love it. And you're on Instagram too, correct? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, everyone go check out Ansley, especially if you are interested in learning more about this side of the business, the business side of blogging. Um, and keep an eye out 
for her course, which sounds amazing. That's coming out in the fall. So thanks again for being here, Ansley. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.